You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 25 in your Bibles, and uh, I preached last Sunday morning, I preached on the subject of love, and I, I told you that the first place in the Bible where love is mentioned is the story of Abraham and Isaac, and uh, what a great picture that is of the heavenly father giving his son Jesus as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And God asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac. Now, he didn't have to go through with it. God provided a substitute for Isaac that Isaac uh, was not killed. Of course, you know that story. Uh, But it's a great picture of the love of God. That was last Sunday morning. Last Sunday night, I talked about uh, the love that we ought to have for our spouse. That's the second place in the Bible where love is mentioned. The Bible says, and Isaac loved Rebekah. That was his wife. And and husbands ought to love their wives, and wives ought to love their husbands. That's not even something we ought to have to say. We ought to know that. That's the way it ought to be. But the third place you find the word love in the Bible is in Genesis 25, and it has to do with a love for a child. I'm going to say number three, we're talking about a love for a son or a daughter. Genesis 25 and verse number 28, the Bible says that Isaac loved Esau. Now, Isaac is the father. Esau is the son. And that is absolutely the way it should be. Fathers should love their children. Mothers should love their children. It goes on to say in verse 28, Rebekah loved Jacob. That's the mother. The mother loved her son. Now, friend, I'm not preaching on current events, but I just want to get this out there. When you hear of someone, a parent, harming their child, that is not normal. And I would go so far as to say, and I've not studied it, and I've not researched it, but I would go so far to say that I think in a lot of cases there is some kind of demon possession or demon oppression for a parent to do something to harm their child. That is not normal. That is not the way it ought to be. It should be. The norm should be that parents love their children. And by the way, children ought to love their parents. It goes both ways. But we see in this passage, we see the word love in regards to a son. Esau, Isaac loved Esau, and then Rebekah loved Jacob. Lord, I pray that you'd help us and speak to us. We pray in these moments that we're together. I pray that we would not miss these truths, and I pray that we would take them and apply them to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we get into this message this morning, I want to lay the groundwork and give a couple of Uh, of of reminders. Number one, I want to say this, that anytime I preach about about children, I hope you understand that I realize I am not the expert by any stretch of the imagination. My wife and I, our oldest children are Lacey and Savannah. They are 11 years old. We haven't even hit the teen years yet. Y'all pray for us. We haven't gone through driver's training 
Although my wife has told me which children I'm going to teach to drive and which one she's going to teach. She has already told me that. We have not experienced our children dating. Now, we've, we've already set it up that they can't date till they're 30. But I mean, you know, but we haven't, we haven't been there yet. I'm not the expert. I don't claim to be the expert. But what I am saying is this morning is I want to show you what the Bible says about the relationship from a parent to a child. And I want to give you some things that we should do, some things we should not do, and I'm going to use the Bible as our manual. Because, by the way, that's what the Bible is. It is our manual. In every area of life, the Bible shows us how to live. I also say that as I preach these truths this morning, I look back and I see in my dad who is in heaven, but I see in my dad uh, so many of these things that I want to emulate. I had a dad that loved his children. And by the way, it's not just children. Uh, you may be here and say, my children are grown, and, but you've got some grandchildren. Did you know God has given you an amazing privilege and opportunity to help and to teach and to train and to instruct those grandchildren? You may be here today as a school teacher. Uh, God has given you the opportunity as a teacher to influence young people, precious lives that God has entrusted you with as a Sunday school teacher. Many of you in this room, you teach Sunday school or you help on Wednesday nights, you teach a master club or you work in the ministry with children. I want to tell you, these are great opportunities we have to teach them, not what we think, but to teach them the Bible and to show them what God has for their lives. I want to say, number one, as we look at the relationship and the love between a, a parent and a child, number one, I want to say we should love our children equally. Now, that's easier said than done. Because how many of you know some children like to push you more than others, right? Some children like to test the boundaries. And you know, some children are just like you. Oh, my. And they really know how to push your buttons, don't they? But we should, number one, love our children equally. Now, let's go back to Genesis 25 and verse 28. And let's really read this verse in the context. It says in verse number 28, And Isaac loved Esau. That's a good thing. But the problem is, it goes on to say, But Rebekah loved Jacob. You know what we see in this passage? We see Isaac and Rebekah father and mother, and Isaac decides he loves Esau, but Rebekah decides she loves Jacob, and they don't love their children equally. You know what they were doing? They were playing the classic game of favorites. And you know who wins in the game of favorites? Nobody. Everybody's a loser. We're going to see that in the Bible. But, but you cannot win when you play favorites with your children. Number one, you must love your children equally. You must be consistent. You must spend time with your children. Brother Dan has said that the last two weeks in Sunday school, and it bears repeating, that you will show your love to those in your life by the time that you spend with them. People are not always impressed with big gifts and, and fancy things, but people want to know you love them by the time you spend with them. Hold your place and uh, we're probably not coming back. Turn with me to uh, Genesis 37. I want you to see this truth of loving our children equally. Isaac and Rebekah had two boys, Jacob and Esau. Then Jacob 
he gets married and he has children. Notice what it says in Genesis 37 and verse number three. Now Israel, that is Jacob, loved Joseph. What's the next word? More. That's a problem. You ought to love your children, but you can't love one, one more than you love the other. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Verse four, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they what? They hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now I'm not excusing the brothers. And by the way, I'm not excusing you. You say, well, you know, uh, my parents did this, that, and the other. So because of that, no, you don't, you're not, you can't live that way. You can't excuse your actions. You can't excuse your life. You can't excuse all of that. And you can't blame your parents for the rest of your life. There's going to come a day you're going to have to break that cycle. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to get victory and you're going to have to understand that God can still use you and you can overcome and you can be victorious and it's not because of your circumstances that you are what you are. It's because you have allowed those things to control you. But here we see that Jacob, Israel, he loves Joseph more than all the rest and because of that, those brothers hated him. You say, how much did they hate him? So much so they wanted to kill him. And they would have killed him had one of the brothers not talked him out of it, but they sold him as a slave into Egypt. And you know where that all is traced back to? It's all traced back to a dad who says, I'm going to love one of my children more than all the rest. And you could say it's traced back to that dad who had a mom and dad who loved their children unequally, loved one more than the other. So we see, number one, you must love your children equally. Be consistent with your children. And I understand that's not always easy. I understand if you are in, in your family, if you are the oldest child like I am in my family, I feel like the younger ones got spoiled. And I can see some heads nodding right now. And those are all the older children. And I can see the heads that are shaking like this. And those are all the youngest saying, oh, no, I didn't get spoiled. But that's, a, that's a, a discussion for another day. But here's what I'm saying. Number one, we must love our children equally. Number two, when it comes to our children, we must be genuine. We must be spiritual. You know what we see in this passage? Go back with me now to Genesis 27. We see a father and a mother. We see Isaac and Rebekah who were not spiritual in their dealings with their boys. Again, I'm not excusing Esau. I'm not excusing Jacob, but I am saying this. As parents, we owe it to our children to be spiritual. We owe it to our children to not make their life more difficult and not to create more issues down the road. We owe it to them to be spiritual and to be genuine. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5, Paul spoke to Timothy. He said, when I called to remembrance... The unfeigned or the, the genuine faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You know what Paul said to Timothy? He said, your faith is real and I can trace it back to your mother. I can trace it back to your grandmother. Praise God for godly parents. Praise God for godly grandparents. 
my heart was so blessed and, and I, 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 I knew they were singing. I didn't put the connection together till they were up here singing this morning, but the Dixon family. And I'm watching uh, David and Chelsea and I'm watching their three girls singing. And you know what I'm doing? I'm looking back and I'm seeing the Jordans back there. And I'm seeing the Dixons over here. And you know what they're doing? Uh, they're in church and they're faithful. And as grandparents, they're setting an example. And now they're, they're, they're children. They've got their girls and they're leading their children. By the way, that's the way it ought to be. Christianity ought to be something that is generational. It ought to be something that, yes, you've got it and you pass it down and you pass it down and you ought to keep it going. And there ought to be something that your children and grandchildren see in you that they say, that is exactly what I want because it's real. Number two, be genuine, be spiritual. Number three, recognize that your children are gifts from God. Our, our, our culture, our society is so messed up. We, 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 sometimes we look at the children and we, we get frustrated. And by the way, we've all been there, especially if your children are, are very small. And I say, well, again, I haven't been to the teen years, so I don't know about that. But when they're very small and they don't let you sleep. Now, you may be super spiritual and you may not need sleep. But for me, when I don't get my sleep, when I'm up uh, throughout the night, I am not a happy camper the next day. And there's times where you're thinking, if these children don't sleep, somebody's going to die. And I'm not saying who it's going to be, but somebody's going to die. And sometimes we look at the children and we say, these children are, 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 are hard. These children are costing me time. These children are costing me money. Time out. Absolutely not. Those children that you have, they're gifts from God. God gave them. God entrusted them in your care. Children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are not punishment. Children are a blessing. Children are a reward from God. And I can see some parents that you're, you're, you're agreeing. I'll say this statement and I'll see a lot more agreement. Grandchildren, they are a reward. Grandchildren are a blessing. But can I tell you, don't get, the, don't get your, your, your perspective all mixed up. Uh, don't, don't get the world's idea and the world's philosophy that, yeah, children are, are a problem and they're a hassle and they're a burden. Oh, no, children were intended to be a blessing. God has given you those children. They're a gift from God. Number four, do not allow the children to come between you and your spouse. You didn't, at your wedding altar, you did not say, till our children are grown, we're going to stick together, but you said, till death do us part. And so what that means is that if the Lord tarries, there's coming a day when those children are going to be grown. They're going to be gone. Uh, they're going to graduate from high school. They're going to go to college. They're going to get married. They're going to move out. And if they don't move out, you just start charging rent and you keep raising the rent, right? As long as you have. No, no, I'm just kidding. But there's coming a day when they're going to be gone and you and your spouse are still going to be there. And you don't want it to be that when the children are gone, that there's been such a wedge driven between you and your spouse that you can't stick together. It ought to be that you stay close even during the days of your children in the home. Now, Genesis 27, this is really where I wanted to get with our text for today. But I want you to see Genesis 27 in verse number 6. Now, I know we're covering a lot of names, but I want to make sure we understand we have Abraham and Sarah, okay? Abraham, the, the father of the Jewish nation, Abraham and Sarah. They have a son. His name is Isaac, right? Isaac has a wife, and her name is 
Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah, they have boys. They're, they're, they're twin boys. Uh, Esau and who? Jacob. Now, uh, Isaac and Rebekah, these two are the ones we just read about a few moments ago, that Isaac loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Now look at Genesis 27, and look with me, please, at verse number 6. This is the story where Jacob deceives his father. He tricks his father into giving him the blessing that was intended for his brother Esau. And we often, we give Jacob a hard time and we say, Oh, I can't believe that guy. What a deceiver. What a trickster. That wasn't right. And it was not right. But do you want to know who the mastermind was behind that plan? It was his mother. It was the wife of Isaac. It was Rebekah who she was the one that got that plan in motion and she is the one that convinced Jacob to deceive his father, her own husband. And this mess with Jacob and Esau started with a mother. Notice with me verse number six. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison. And make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goat. And I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat and that he may bless thee before his death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, behold, Esau, my brother, is an hairy man and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me and I shall seem to him as a deceiver and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. You know what Jacob said? He said, Mom, if I do that, Dad's going to think I'm being deceitful. You think? It's exactly what you're being. That's exactly what you're doing. And then he says this and he said, and I'm not going to get a blessing. I'm going to get a curse. Time out. Can I say this morning and can I remind every one of us here that when you lie and you cheat and you steal, that is exactly what you are doing to your life. That's exactly what you're doing to your marriage. That's exactly what you're doing to your family. It's exactly what you're doing to the people you love. When you disobey the word of God and you decide to take matters in your own hands and you decide to lie your way through life, you are not going to experience God's blessing. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. God does not bless that kind of life. But Jacob says, what am I going to do? And his mother said in verse 13, she said, upon me be thy curse. My son, only obey my voice and go and fetch me them. And Jacob did. He did what mama said. And he went to his father and he deceived his father. He said, wait a minute. He said, uh, it sounds like Jacob. Because <laughs> his voice was probably so high pitched, you know. He said, uh, I'm Esau. I'm Esau. And his, son, his father said, well, uh, you sound more like Jacob, but let me feel your arms. And he felt his arms and he had put animal skins on his arms to feel like Esau. And then, of course, that meal that he prepared, was mother prepared, was exactly like Esau prepared it. And he deceived his father into getting the blessing that was intended for Esau. Now, here's what I'm saying. These children came between Isaac and Rebekah. 
And Jacob deceived his father. He ripped off his brother. He ran, and for 20 years, he lived with the guilt, and he lived with the burden, and he lived with the fear. And this story goes crazy because a husband and wife were not on the same page. Now, friend, I want to tell you, as, as, as a husband and wife, you've got to be on the same page. You can't be trying to manipulate this and manipulate this and all that. You can't let your children come between you. You must stick together and you must be one. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. We see number five quickly. Don't play favorites. And if we've already talked about this. But because Isaac and Rebekah played favorites, this created problems for the children and for the grandchildren. Notice Genesis 27, verse 41. And Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing wherewith his father blessed him. Verse number 43, Rebekah tells Jacob, she says, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, and flee thou to Laban, uh, my brother to Haran. And now Rebekah says, Oh no, I made a mess, but I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to be honest. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm going to take my son, and I'm going to send him to run away. I'm going to send him to hide. This is so, so bizarre, but notice what it says in verse number 44. She says, And tarry with him a few days until thy brother's fury turn away. You know what happens when you don't deal with problems? Days turn into weeks. And weeks turn into months. And months turn into years. I remember, this has been several years ago, I remember talking to a family, and they're not in this church, but I remember talking to a family. They were telling me about a problem that happened in their, in their home. And they were telling me about it, and the way they were telling me about it, I thought it had happened like last week. And I asked them, I stopped them, I said, now, now tell me when this happened. And they told me that the events they were describing that they were so upset about, that were just so much consuming them, they told me it was 30 years ago. But I would have thought it was yesterday. Now, friend, I'm just telling you, if you don't get things dealt with, if you don't get things right with God, if you don't get your marriage together, if you don't get the relationship with your children together, it's not just going to get better. It's going to get worse. In 20 years, this feud between Jacob and Esau went on, and, and Jacob was plagued with the regrets. Verse number 45, Rebekah said, Well, we'll just let you go till he forgets. Well, guess what? Esau didn't forget. And Jacob didn't forget either. Verse number 46, I want you to see this verse. I've read this verse so many times, but I have never seen it like I saw it this past week or two. I forget when I first read it. It says, and Rebekah said to Isaac, so this is the wife talking to her husband. She said, I am weary of my life. You know what Rebekah said? I'm so discouraged. My life is such a mess. Everything is just so hopeless. And you know what I want to say? Yes, Rebecca, and you're the one that caused it. You're the one that thought it was a good idea to get your son to lie to his father, your husband. You're the one that said, hey, I'll cook up the meat for you. Hey, I'll help you with your disguise. I'll help you with the plan. And I want to say, yes, Rebecca, I can see why your life is such a mess. 
But notice what she says about her problem, verse 46. She says, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. Whoa, 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 whoa. They had nothing to do with this story. They were not even in the picture. She's like, you know, I'm really worried that Jacob's going to marry one of these girls over here someday. And oh, I just can't. Are you kidding me? Those, those girls are the least of your worries. Your problem, ma'am, is the lady that you look at in the mirror. Your problem is you. Your problem is your lying and your deceit and your cunning. That is your problem. But she decided she was going to blame everybody else for her problem when the blame didn't belong anywhere else except for on her. I'm weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. And if Jacob take a wife of the daughters of Heth, such as these which are of the daughters of the land, what good shall my life do me? We see that Rebekah blamed everyone else for her situation. Genesis 28, verse 1. I don't have time to get into this, but then it appears that Isaac, because his wife comes and says, oh, life is so bad, what are we going to do? Isaac tells Jacob, he says, hey, why don't you go? Why don't you just leave? And it's like Isaac didn't deal with it either. It's like he ignored the problem. And it blows my mind to think that, that this could have been dealt with. But it was not. Number five, don't play favorites. And if these passages and these examples in Genesis have not helped you to see the problems that come when you play favorites, I don't know what else I could say. I don't know what else I could do. But let me tell you this, do not play favorites. Number six, when it comes to your relationship with your children, number six, you have to be the parent. Now, being the parent is not always fun. You know what I like to be? I like to be my girl's friend. I like to tell them what they want to hear. I don't like to have to be the parent. I'd rather be the buddy. But they've got enough buddies. They've got enough friends. But they've only got one dad, and they've only got one mom, and they need their mom and dad to be the parents. The Bible says in Ephesians 6 to the fathers, it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That word admonition, it means rebuke. Sometimes you're going to have to put your foot down, mom. Dad, sometimes you're going to have to put your foot down. Sometimes you're going to have to say, I know, I know we don't hear this word very much anymore because we have a generation of snowflakes. We've got a generation of people that, that their feelings are hurt so easily, but sometimes you're going to have to say no. Maybe you ought to practice that. Maybe you ought to look in the mirror this, this week on your own and just practice saying no. But somebody's got to be the parent, number six. Number seven, we must teach and train our children in the way that they should go. Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let me say this. Children need to be taught how to work. Children need to be taught discipline. They need to be taught character. They need to be taught how to tell the truth. They need to be taught how to study and how to get along with people. All those things. But let me just throw this out there. You know what our children desperately need from their parents and grandparents and, and Sunday school teachers and school teachers? Our children desperately need someone to show them how to walk with God and how to have a relationship with God. They're not getting that from Hollywood. Let me just make that very clear. They're not getting that from television. They're not getting that from the sports celebrities. They need a mama and a daddy and they need a grandma and a grandpa and a nan and a papa that'll show them what it is to worship God and to walk with God. Number seven. Number eight, correction is necessary. We've already talked to it, but 
Proverbs 19, 18, the Bible says, chasten thy son while there is hope. It's going to take some correction. Now, I'm the kind of parent that I don't enjoy correcting my children. I'd rather just have fun. I'd rather say, hey, let's go get some ice cream. Let's go get a milkshake. You know, let's do something fun. The children need somebody that will correct them. And I love what that verse says. It says, chasten thy son while there is hope. Maybe you're here today as a, as a parent or a grandparent. Maybe you feel like, man, there is no hope. Well, I got news for you. The Bible says there is hope. And as long as you have the Bible and as long as you have the word of God, as long as you have the Holy Spirit of God, I want to tell you there is hope for children today. You say, but oh, it's so bad. It's so awful. There's no way that a child could live for God. Well, look at Noah, Genesis 6. It appears he was the only one. It appears that everybody else was evil, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And there is hope for our children today. There is hope for our teenagers today. There is hope for our college students today. There is hope for our single adults. There's hope for our young families. There is hope for you today because we have the answer. We have the word of God. Correction is necessary. Let me close by saying this, and I'm not just going to close my sermon. I'm going to close my Bible, give you a little bit of hope that that is approaching. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have children. Uh, maybe you're single or maybe you're a married couple and you don't have children or maybe your children are grown or whatever the case may be. Maybe it's a, a, a split home. I understand all that. But you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that you can invest in somebody who's not your biological child. You know, there was a man by the name of the Apostle Paul. He never had any children. But he had a son in the faith named Timothy. Boy, he invested in that boy, and he taught that boy, and that boy became a preacher. He became the, the pastor at the church in Ephesus. And I want to tell you, Paul said, I'm going to invest in somebody. What about Moses? Moses, he had some children, but he found somebody who wasn't his child. His name was Joshua. And Moses invested in Joshua, and Joshua did something that Moses could not do. Joshua led the people into the promised land. Elijah got a hold of Elisha. And, and, and Paul got a hold of Silas and Barnabas got a hold of John Mark. And Jesus didn't have any biological children. Jesus never got married, but he had 12 disciples. And those disciples went out and turned the world upside down for Christ. And that's about what this world needs today, is it not? This world needs to be turned upside down. But you're here today and you say, what about me? I want to tell you, you can find somebody that you can invest in. You can find somebody that you can help. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you're, you're talking to me and maybe your situation, you say, I feel like I was a, an Isaac or I feel like I was a Rebecca or I feel like I was a Jacob or I feel like I was an Esau. Well, I got some great news for you. Did you know that God found a way to use every one of those people? And I'm not just talking about a little bit. Those are the people that are referred to throughout the Bible. Abraham... Isaac and Jacob. You say, but those people were not perfect. You're exactly right. And neither are we. But isn't it amazing what the grace of God can do? And isn't it amazing that we can still have victory in Jesus? I'm glad that God used these people in spite of their failures. And God can use us in spite of ours. How about this? You get to the book of Kings. And the Bible says about one king, it says, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. 
And his son did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then you get a king, and the Bible says, and he walked in the ways of David, his father. He walked in the ways of the Lord. And you say, wait a minute. That boy had a wicked daddy, and that boy had a wicked granddaddy, but yet that boy turned out. That boy got things right. How is that possible? Because it doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter what your home life is. doesn't matter what your past is. The grace of God is able to help you overcome no matter what your situation is. And I'm glad that that's the God we serve. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.